are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 66 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson. We all need to decide where we stand regarding financial advice. And one of the options we have there are many options and it is good to look around and consider what these are. But one of the options we have is to go online and refer our clients to an advice platform rather than a financial planner who is a living and breathing individual. And it is these digital platforms I wanted to find out more about. Jim Hennington is the founder and CEO of ASAP, which is a platform for the financial advice around SMSFs. So perfect to find out more. My first question to Jim is, when did you start ASAP? Here's Jim. So we launched in 2016 when the accountants lost their exemption from having an AFSL. Obviously, with a lot of knowledge about actuarial certificate technology and conversations with accountants, we realised this technology could also provide a really efficient process for the SMSF product advice. So it's very similar in terms of the accountants log in to our platform. They go through a process, which is a scoping exercise, fact find. Then we produce the statement of advice to the product advice, uh, signed by us under our AFSL. And then it gets turned into a PDF, which goes back to the accountant and the client, which is the full process. basically have four options. The first option is they stay completely away from advice. They don't mm-hmm. utter a single syllable about whether to start an SMSF or not. The second option is to get your own AFS license. The third option is to go under an umbrella mm. to get like Merit Wells or others who offer an umbrella AFS license where yep. you basically can give financial advice under their AFS license. Yes. And then the fourth option is to basically refer to financial advisor. Yes. And then there, of course, it branches out to you either give it to a, a person yep. or you give it to a digital solution. Yes. And you yes. are the digital solution. Absolutely right. Yes. So from a legal point of view, using our tool is the equivalent of making a referral to a financial advisor. It's just that it's a digital advisor, which keeps it really efficient. Do you pull a lot of the data from class or you need to ask a lot of the data to really give the advice? We pull a little bit of data from class, but the bulk of it comes from the client because a lot of it is about their personal objectives and their priorities. Also, part of it is where there are rollovers. A lot of that information has to come from the existing super fund. The only way we can get that is to, we've got a very efficient process where we write off with a set of questions and we get the answers back. It can kick off with data from class but a lot of it needs to be collected along the way. Especially if the question is, should I start an SMSF? Because if the client is at that, then, of course, they don't have a class account yet. Which oh, yes, means, absolutely. Which yeah. means you, there's no data you can pull from class. Yes, that's an important point. So we are often the first step in the data collection process. So it started with a conversation between the accountant and the client. Step one is often our scoping tool and then our fact find. We have also wired up to one of the document providers, um, one of the major ones, TopTalks, whereby after the client has received a statement of advice from us, they can then push that data across to TopTalks order forms and order all the document generation. So things like the trustee, setting up the corporate trustee, 
even setting up bank accounts and things like that. Then there's also the ability to push that data back into class. So it's kind of a straight-through process from the conversation with the client all the way to getting the documentation done, all the way to being set up in class. And so is it mainly accountants who use your digital advice or yes. is it clients? Uh, no, no, we, we are very careful that our client is the accountant. So we don't go direct to uh, clients. We want to make sure that the relationship stays between the accountant and the client. We just sit behind the scenes. Mm. So it's actually the accountant who hands over the statement of advice But the statement of advice has your logo on it because it's yeah, yeah. it's made under your AFS license. Yeah, we, there are certain things that we, by law, have to communicate directly from us to the client. So things like the financial services guide, that has to come from us to the client. The accountant decides when that happens, but then our statement of advice does get issued directly to the client and accountant at the same time. But the accountant's like the facilitator. Absolutely, yeah. The, mm. the relationship manager is the accountant. Yeah, we're, we're kind of a, a specialist. It's like a doctor, a GP. Yeah, the GP might refer to a radiologist for a little bit of the process and then the GP helps coordinate it all. It's that kind of thing. sounds like a very basic question to you, but what does an actuary actually do? So a lot of accountants are familiar with actuaries mainly because of the actuarial certificate process, but traditionally actuaries work for insurance companies and banks and superannuation funds, so we're, we tend to be very institutional. So an actuary is a professional who deals with the measurement and management of risk and uncertainty. So these risks can affect both sides of the balance sheet, so your assets and liabilities or, or your cash flows. But my personal definition at parties would be a financial mathematician, which is nice and succinct. And so you actually started out as an actuary. I think you were with Acurium for how long? I've been an actuary since last millennium. Yes. <laughs> now, I qualified in 1997. So I used to work for now called Willis Towers Watson in Melbourne, then London. And then I got into retirement planning, which meant I needed an AFSL equivalent. Then worked for Acurium. As an actuary or in retirement planning? As, as an actuary, really. I was responsible for product development. Yeah, built some very sophisticated retirement income modeling software. And then you left Acurium and started the digital advice yes. tool yep. ASAP. And I've heard that most actuaries or a lot of the actuary companies are based in Tasmania, yes. which really surprised <laughs> me because I actually first thought that you're based in Sydney. Ah. But then I learned that you're actually also based in in Tasmania. Yes. So how come that all actuaries are gathering in Tasmania? Tasmania got a really good head start with actuarial certificates. I think identifying that just the size of the SMSF sector and the way it was growing and the fact that a large number of SMSFs are going to need an actuarial certificate. So the volumes sort of identifying the scale of the problem happened in Tasmania. And then along the way, people branch off and move and do their own thing. So I think it's sort of all spilled out of that. Hmm. So the just it's almost awareness of the problem I has uh, been concentrated in Tasmania. Well, how many yeah, be, actual certificates would be issued by somebody in, by Tasmania. Company in Tasmania? I would say it would be a good two-thirds oh, of, okay. of all of them. Yeah. That's quite a high number. Yes, it is. Yeah, we're very good at actual certificates <laughs> down in Tassie. <laughs> <laughs> Must be in the water. 
the reason that there is this need for a digital tool is really because the AFS license is changing. So the market stats indicate that around a half of accounting firms have got an AFSL, which means nearly a half haven't. And even the ones that do have an AFSL, it might only be one person within the firm that has one and the others refer to that person. So a lot of individual accountants don't have a licence. And, yeah, there was a poll recently by Accountants Daily and the question was, will you exit financial advice in light of the new mandatory education requirements? So this is directed at the people who do have an AFSL. And it was 69% said yes. So 69% of accountants who currently have an AFS licence are thinking of giving it up. Yes, yes. And I think that's mainly because of an awareness that they're not issuing that many statements of advice because it's a fairly small part of the big picture of, of what they do. And just the costs of managing and maintaining a licence are high. There's the PI insurance, there's the cost of the licence itself, there's managing all the templates and staying up to date with that. But now the education standards are increasing. There's a transitional periods. I don't know all the detail, but new advisors wanting to get an AFSL for the first time are going to have to meet quite high education standards to do with academic qualifications and degrees and things like that. People who have got an AFSL already have got a little bit more time, but uh, eventually the standard's going up. So accountants are finding quite a lot of cost, quite a lot of time and sunk cost in keeping up with the education standards and CPD for what's quite a small part of their business. So yeah, instead, the appeal towards just using digital advice for this is is very high. Walk me through the process of a digital financial advice. Sure. How does it how does it happen? If we've got an unlicensed accountant, there is still a lot they can do without an AFSL. So they can give factual information, they can give tax advice, and they can give quite a lot of guidance on compliance, you know, making sure the SMSF is run correctly. So there's a lot they can do, but can't give that personal product advice. And that's where it gets tricky. Because if you're implementing things pretty much tripped over the line, especially if you're rolling money out of an existing fund. Back to the process. They can have the conversation and educate the client. They need to make it very clear where the line lies of what they're responsible for and what the advisor is responsible for. So we are a digital advisor. So they fire up a browser of ASAP. They then guide the client through a scoping tool, which basically lets the client direct how much advice they want. So what are their decisions and who do they want to take responsibility for which bits? So a lot of them will retain responsibility for investment selection. Then we have a a fact find, which is a two-page document, which is quite lean. And do they fill it out online or as a document? They fill that out offline, so it's a form, and the accountant can either help them fill it in or they can fill it in at home. That gets uploaded into our system. We then compile the advice, produce a PDF of our statement of advice and then issue that. I'm surprised that it still involves paper. No, it's not paper. At the moment we use Excel. Oh, I see. So it's like an Excel tool that the client has to fill out offline and then I see. Yeah, so that's quite convenient for when they want to send it back and forth and things like that. But we are in the process of moving that to a full online form. I see. And so that's already the entire process. 
Yeah, it's very important to us to really make it clear that it's the accountant who maintains the relationship with the client. We are sitting there behind the scenes. ASIC do require us to have some communication direct with the client, just to like things like the financial services guide and issuing the, the thing called an authority to proceed, which is a form the client signs when they're happy with everything. We would only talk to the client on the phone if the accountant asked us to. You know, we want to make sure you know, that relationship is unaffected. So you started with digital statement of advice offering that integrates into class. Do you also integrate into BGL? Yes, we do have an integration with BGL for the statement of advice service. Yes. Yeah. But those are the two you are integrated with. You haven't yes. integrated with a Supermate or no, no. Um, a cloud. No. no. I see. But then now the second offering is actuary certificates. So yes. you're actually going back into the market where you came from. Yes, yep. So given we've now got all the technology set up, and I am an actuary, it was a pretty logical just next step to also bolt yeah. that on as a service. I see. And was it difficult to integrate this class regarding actuary certificates or was it reasonably easy because you were already integrated for the statement of advice? Yeah, that's right. So given we were already integrated, all the infrastructure was already there. Obviously, there's been a lot of change in actuarial certificates from 2017-18 onwards. So that's obviously a fair bit of work to rewire them around that and then all the testing. Been quite straightforward. I think class did a really good job of setting up what they call an API, application protocol interface, which gets all the data to us in the right format. So it's been yeah, fairly straightforward. The difficulty is just all the testing. And do you think the demand for actuary certificates will go up or down? The nature of it will change a little, that 25% of SMSFs who didn't use to pay tax, i.e. they were in fully in pension phase, now do pay tax. Hence need an actuary certificate. Yes, yes. So I think the market will reduce a little bit with your non-retirement phase TRIS accounts no longer being treated as pension phase, but then the market will increase a bit because of the ones who've affected by the... back into accumulation. Exactly, yes. So it'll be interesting to see what the total numbers are, but I'd say they'd be similar or if not slightly higher. accepted into the ASIC Innovation Lab? This was back in 2016 when we were designing this. We wanted to make sure it was all whiter than white and really safe. And ASIC are very encouraging of digital advice because they know that it has the potential to help consumers drive down costs, increase quality and consistency. ASIC have an innovation hub and the way it works is companies can apply and if ASIC decide, okay, that's important enough for us to put resources onto, and by that they mean impact a whole sector of the market, then they'll help. And so we were accepted into that, which was really good. And so it, they set up a little SWAT team who looked at all our processes and we gave them a login and then worked with us on a few things that they were keen to improve. We, we were lucky to benefit from that. And then we also engaged Mills Oakley lawyers in Melbourne. They did two reviews for us. Firstly, that what we're doing meets the best interest duty because that's the most important point. And secondly, that it's safe for the accountants to refer to. So we wrote a couple of legal guides, which are really helpful, which set out what accountants can and can't do without a license, when they need to refer and how to refer, you know, whether it's to a traditional advisor or 
when will a digital advisor be a better outcome? So, yeah, that's all been signed off too. So it's on all the I's and cross the T's. How did you build these digital tools? Do you have a coding background or did you get developers on board? Yeah. Did you write it in Java or how did you write it? So I have a background in IT design, product design, but I'm, I'm not a coder. They call me a hands-off coder. <laughs> so I can review code and test it, but I don't really cut code. So yes, I've got a couple of developers. So one who focuses on the user interface, so making it easy to use. And he also specializes in IT security. So, you know, it's quite high standards of IT security here. And then another developer who gets in and does all the infrastructure. So all the databases and the wiring and the logic and the user journeys. Yeah, so I've got two developers down in Hobart. They're fantastic, yeah, really skilled. And are they part of the founder team or are they employees? They're contractors. I see. Yeah. And where did you get the capital from to build? Because it, building any software solution always yep. takes a big capital input until the thing works. Yes. So where yeah. did you get the capital from? A lot of it was my own capital. I sold a business in the UK a fair while ago. And we've also got a couple of investors who put some money in as well. And how hmm. did you find the investors? Just people I know, people who work in the industry, very much understand the problem and the nature of accountants and licensing understand how accountants' businesses work and couldn't tell that a solution like this makes so much sense. You know, friendly investors who understand the need for the product. So is it built in Java? Oh, uh, PHP, most of ah, it. Ah, PHP. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't heard of any financial solution being built in, but I'm just surprised yeah. that it's in PHP. Okay. You know, with PHP, I always think of WordPress or, yeah. you know, more simple solutions. I always, yeah, I always have Java in mind. Okay. But I think classes in Java, but it doesn't really matter. The API <laughs> is not affected by what each of you. Yeah. Qum use uh, C sharp. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, I think it just depends on what the developers' preferences and experiences. Yeah. Are. yeah, it doesn't really matter in the end. It's all down to yeah. zeros and ones. It is absolutely right. Welcome back. The survey Jim mentions had. 484 responses, so a relatively small sample. But even with this small sample size, it is likely to point at a trend that a large number of accountants with AFS licenses are at least considering to exit financial advice under their own license. In the next episode, episode 67, Stephen Fine of Gross Focus will talk about the different options you have when you want to exit your accounting or tax or financial planning practice. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.